Fashion and beauty are serious business. On this podcast, we will hear from amazing creative entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore their unique success stories, learn from experts, and hear about their journeys. Steve Jobs famously said that, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So let's get crazy. I'm your host, Ann Zuckerman, and this is the Just Wanted to Ask podcast. Ladies, have you ever had one of those uncomfortable headlight moments? Don't you want to be heard without distraction? Bezzy broad discs are your solution. Go to justwantedtoask.com and look for Bezzy broad discs. Welcome. Today is my guest. I have Demetra Triantafilos Papas, um, who is a creative problem solver and now inventor who grew up in Boston, Massachusetts with her immigrant Greek family and two sisters. She will celebrate 42 years of marriage in October and is the proud mother of four children she not only loves, but she also likes. Uh, She has worked as a pizza chef, a cashier, a scientist, a stay-at-home mom of four, science and math tutor, and English as a second language instructor. She's also an inventor and entrepreneur and is currently an aspiring author. Welcome, Demetra. It's so great to have you today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So I thought I'd ask you first about where did your love for travel begin? Um, Actually, my love for travel began when I was pretty young. I was probably, I think I was 13 years old. Um, And we took our family trip to Greece to visit my father's family. It was really important to me because he used to go back and forth every couple of years, but we could never afford to have us all go. So he had been saving and saving for us all to go over in one of the big ships, but then airfares went down. So we actually ended up flying to Athens. And um, as a child, I was, I was just like, wow, look at this. You know, where are we? The plane was great. It was a, it was a great airplane with the movies. And I was like, wow, this was quite a while ago. But then I really started to appreciate travel when we got there. The first thing that happened to me that made me say this is amazing was we were in the taxi cab going to the house. And I remember looking out the window and seeing the Parthenon on Acropolis Hill for the first time from the cab. And I remember just being like, ah, you know, wow, this actually exists, this historical place that we've studied and I've heard about. My father had actually played soccer on the Acropolis Hill. It's not allowed anymore. (laughs) And it's just all, a lot of stories came back to me and the history of it and the realization of, it was was even further in the trip of how new our American, our current American civilization, civilization is not, I'm not talking about the Native Americans and the, you know, the Inuit Indians in Alaska, but our, our modern age, I said, wow, you know, we're like babies as far as, you know, buildings and stuff are concerned. So I really started to appreciate all of the ancient structures and the towns and the way they were set up. And 
the language. And I was just like, the more I saw, the more I loved. And it just kind of opened me up to realize there's so much to see in the world that I don't know, that I have never seen. And it kind of made me just want to keep going. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. I, I love to travel. And you learn so much. And um, we're so used to everything around us in the United States. It's really nice to get out and appreciate a different culture and uh, the architecture and the food and everything that goes with it. Right. So um, in your biology, in biography, sorry. In biology too now. <laughs> yeah, biology too. Um, you mentioned that you have a bachelor's in chemistry and biology. And then later you tutored math, science, and mm -hmm. English as a second language. Um, how did those analytical skills help in your deciding to create a product? Well, the analytical skills are important not on, make, on the decision, but on the path to creating a product. Um, as a mother of four, you know, I didn't work outside the home for years, but so what happens is I started to have ideas, you know, oh, I should, I should try this and this. And unfortunately, one of my big ideas, I, two I had, I couldn't pursue it because I didn't have the time or the money. But then after my youngest started kindergarten, I started working and then I was still working and then kids. But the whole idea of problem solving is something that I've always loved you know, whether it be sewing, whether it be construction, whether it be taking apart a toaster and fixing, it's just something I've always liked doing. It's very satisfying, you know, to create something or fix something. So what happened as far as the science and stuff goes, it really, the main thing it gave me is the ability to do research, you know, the ability to want to do research. Although, you know, I had never really studied technology or internet or any of that, the fact that I could look things up and understand more about fabrications and, you know, that type of thing is what really, I think, helped me. And the English as a second language was just, it was more because I had foreign students, again, travel, you know, where can I travel? How can I make this travel easier? And that's kind of why I came up with it. When I saw the problems, I myself and my family and other people at the airports and bus stations were having with their, with traveling while carrying a heavy bag and a suitcase at the same time. So yeah, the science mostly, I think, was my ability to, to research. Oh, that's fascinating because it's so true. I mean, it, when you're interested in creating a project, you definitely there, oh, there's a lot of research that goes into it. Uh, so. Let's talk about the design of your product, and then we'll go back and talk about how you actually came up with the concept. Okay. Um, but your product, and unfortunately, uh, people on iTunes can't see it, but I have an example of your product in my hand with the packaging, which is absolutely fabulous. Um, tell us about tell us about the product and what it does. Well, basically, well, simply, the, what the product does is it holds whatever you want on top of your rolling suitcase. So, basically, like, 
if you're having trouble carrying a heavy shoulder bag, you know, and then you're leaning over and stuff, it was, my thing was, you know, your shoulder would hurt, things like that. So what this does is it literally slides over the handle of your suitcase, not the handle, the, the trolley bar. And then it will hug whatever you're carrying so that you, you have a hands-free. And then see now, but I had a tough decision to try, try, how do I make the same strap work vertically and horizontally so that it can hug like this or, you know, go through your handbag and, and that just, you know, that orientation. So basically what it does is it solves the problem of balancing stuff on your suitcase and it leaves you a free hand. It's absolutely a brilliant design. Thank uh, you. I'm going to be traveling in a few weeks and I am so excited about using it. So <laughs> before we started the recording, we were talking about stories of travel. Mm -hmm. um, and you had mentioned that you have a story about being in Spain. Oh, this is a very quick one. The, the fact of um, two things, one in France, one in Spain. The first one in Spain was I was meeting my husband in Barcelona. And um, I, I said, I'll take public transportation. I have plenty of time. You know, I want to see the people in the area. So what happened is I had a map and it, the bus left me off at the spot. And I said, OK, well, I'm supposed to go this way, this way. But what I didn't realize is where it left you off was an island in the middle of two highway type things. And I'm standing there like uh, looking around in circles. So which way am I supposed to go? You know, I didn't know north, south, east, west. And I was like, I was so confused. I'm just standing there and I asked people, excuse me, excuse me, do you speak English? And um, no, 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 they would say. And I, then I would say, um, no, finally I said, you know, I don't know if I said pardon or excusez-moi. Hablé anglais. And I kind of said something in a few little words that I didn't know. And all of a sudden, the people that said they didn't speak English stepped up <laughs> and they said, okay. And basically, they realized that their English was way better than my Spanish. So they helped me. And they were like, okay, let's walk. You go this way and that way. And by the time Within a few minutes, we crossed the road, and I had a caravan of five people following me, including a police officer, trying to figure out where this hotel was. And it was, it was all basically because I had tried to speak Spanish. And then when we got there, it was even worse. The, where it marked on the map, the building was all enclosed. It had been, like, condemned. And I was like, no, what is this? And everybody's confused. Maybe you know, this way, maybe this way. So we finally found the place. But the whole reason for that story is because people weren't willing to help me until I tried to speak their language. So it's really important to do that. I have found it. I've had the exact same experience in France. Huh. Um, I took high school French. My French is really not good. Um, but I read a book that said when you enter someplace, you say bonjour. And when you leave, you say au revoir. And in between, yeah, you say right. merci. And I would go into a bake. I was um, with a friend of mine, and in the morning, I we were at a conference. Mm -hmm. And in the morning, I would stop off at a, a bakery and pick up some pastries. Right. And I said hello when I walked in, and I asked, did the best I could to ask. And the lady behind the counter always laughed. 
Yeah. And I laughed. And from then on, it was it was great because she understood what I was saying in English and she knew that my French was bad. But people are so helpful if you try. They really are. You know, it's one of those things. I mean, I've helped people also who have been lost, you know, in this area. But it's it's like then they're very proud of their language. Another instance was um, I think I I got up early and I went for a walk and I went and got a croissant. Must have been I don't even remember now exactly where this was. So I went in, I got something to drink, and I don't drink coffee. And I ordered a coffee. I figured I'd bring it back for my husband. So I was eating and I kept trying to cover the cup of coffee with the paper napkin. And the guys are looking at me like, what's wrong with this girl? She's crazy. So finally they came out and I said, you know, to go, to go, to go, to go, right? And you indicate and point and they thought it was funny. So then the manager came out and says, hello, I speak English. I help you. What you, I said, to go, okay. They didn't have to go cups, but they brought out a piece of aluminum foil. And the, the gentleman told me afterwards, if you have something to go, para llevar, say para llevar. <laughs> I said, okay, thanks. So from then on, the rest of the trip, I knew how to say I wanted something to go. But they, they're like so happy to, to use their language and help you and show off a little bit, I guess. Yeah. But so yeah, it's great. So I, I cannot impress on people how important it is to have total respect and even a tiny bit of knowledge of the language in the country you're in. And of course, their traditions and cultures like, you know, don't wear short shorts if the culture is people wearing, you know, saris. You know, you have to be careful. Sure, sure. But um, cultural respect and make an attempt. Yeah. Speak their language. So then you ended up traveling with your family, and on the website, uh, you mentioned that you used your uh, demi-hugger for your son's uh, uh, teddy bear on his suitcase. And I thought that was such a beautiful picture. So when people go to your website, they'll be able to see the pictures of your product and also how it was used. But um, tell us a little about your product and traveling with children. Okay. um, Well, initially, we didn't have the Demi Hugger. My first trip to Europe when we took the whole family across Europe by train. Boy, I wish we had had it then because everybody was allowed a carry-on suitcase and a backpack, even the seven-year-old, you know, no help carrying your stuff. And it was hot and sweaty. So we didn't have it then. I wish we had. But after that... um, I haven't traveled as much with the children as they grew, you know, they got older. But the big thing is, is when you have a younger child with you, if you're using the Demi Hugger on your suitcase, you have a free hand instead of having the kids run crazy around the airport. I mean, you see it all the time. You know, kids are always taken off and the parents are trying to catch them and a sense of security. And the teddy, but the, the teddy bear part is because I've seen so many kids dragging their dolls and teddy bears on the, I think it's a disgusting airport floor. And then they're sleeping with it, you know? So that's why it was kind of like um, a teddy bear seatbelt, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, So I also noticed that you have three patents. Why three patents? Well, first the, the, the regular patent, the full patent takes forever to get 
So I finally did get that. Then you had to have a design patent. And the first design patent showed, you know, the design basically, but it didn't show the thickness of the material, which can vary. So the third one is also a design patent, just showing, you know, how it works, the, the material again. Well, that's in the regular patent. And even still, things like, um, I'm working on it now, but I got the patent for it to put like a binding around the edge. All of these are design patents, which people don't realize. There really is a lot going on. Now, theoretically, if you have the regular patent, you know, people can't use it. But if they change a patent enough, they can say, well, we've improved upon it, and therefore they're allowed to use it. It's a very tricky, tricky thing, which I don't pretend to understand completely. So, you know, that's why there are three patents on the Demi Hugger. Yeah, it does really get complicated. Um, I also notice one of the beautiful parts of it is that it's not only a strap that goes around, but you have that slot in the center to mm -hmm. go over the, as you said, the trolley handle, right. um, which is great. Uh, and it's very that, that holds everything in place. It does hold everything in place. I, I know a lot of people that when they use it in the horizontal manner, you know, they'll take it, like I said, they'll take the whole thing and they will actually wrap it around their bag first, you know, through the handle of their bag in the bottom. And then they just put it right on the, um, on the, to the suitcase after that. The other cool thing about that particular way is it also holds stuff together. I don't think I mentioned this before, but I was on a trip in my, my big bag, zipper bag, you know, broke. The handle broke, the zipper broke. It's just, it had to be thrown out, retired. So I actually went into Whole Foods and bought one of their, their fabric or reusable bags. So I put all my stuff in that and I wrapped it with the Demi Hugger to keep everything in place. So I was still able to just take that off the suitcase, put it through the security on the, um, you know, how did they check the conveyor belt <laughs> and then able to um, just take it in, take it onto the plane and still shove it right underneath the seat in front of me without having everything fall out. So that was something I hadn't planned, but it worked really well for it. Yeah. I've seen that at airports too. Um, especially I, I've seen situations in one particular one where there was a mother traveling with children mm -hmm. and her suitcase was way too heavy. So she had to pull stuff out of her suitcase. And we asked one of the attendants if we could have a trash bag yeah. and how wonderful it would have been to be able to strap everything together. Yeah. So everything wasn't not only flying, but she didn't have to carry a heavy bag right. on top of a heavy bag. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So Traveling can be difficult. It is. It's challenging. But we don't, we don't, realize how often we use a bag in an everyday situation. Yeah. So sometimes I take a rolly bag with me to an event um, that I'm going to, and I always have another bag and there's and or I'll buy something. It'll be in a plastic bag and yeah. I put it on top of my handle and it flips to the side. It flips to the right. It flips yeah. to the left. And then I'm, constantly trying to pick everything up off the floor. Yeah. So this is going to be 
phenomenally helpful for me. That's great. And even for extra, extra security, if you're using it in the um, vertical way, you can actually put it over the trolley handle and then also slide it through the regular suitcase handle. You know, it's just real security. Like, you know, you don't want to get it ripped off or I found if you're going over, you know, six inch curves, like in New York City, which is one of the places where I've realized I really needed it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's an extremely helpful, versatile product. And you mentioned going to events. Um, somebody stopped me at the supermarket once and said, oh, I have one of your products. She said, I use it, um, I'm a makeup artist. She says, I use it all the time. On top of this, she has the rolling suitcase with all her makeup in it, then the additional bag on top. And I was like, oh, wow. I mean, I've never advertised any of that, but I guess I could write it down somewhere. It's all coming back to me now. Well, it's absolutely wonderful. Um, so it's a fabric product. And Correct. we spoke briefly about the, the, the challenges of the whole made in America concept. Talk to us about how to find your fabrication and the challenges of that. Well, it's, I don't think there's any set way to do it. You really just have to basically call or email different places that make fabric and sell fabric. Um, you know, the first ones I tried was from a, um, it was a material from New York that was kind of like, I think it's like bulletin board fabric almost, because it had to have that Velcro receptive side. And that had a lot of stretch to it and it seemed to work well. But as I learned as time went on, and talking to another importer, actually, luckily in Massachusetts, he said, yeah, that's great. He said, but that's not going to hold up. No, that fabric is not that strong. So they had a material that was a, a neoprene base with the Velcro receptive on one side and nylon on the other, which is very strong. And um, so I bought the first batches from them, made some myself. But this was after many, you know, different trials of, you know, denim and stretch denim and a million other things. And um, that worked really well. So then I found a local manufacturer to start making some, you know, 25, 50, 100 at a time, not too many. But the cost wasn't, was, the cost was high. You know, the cost of goods was, it was pretty high. And I said, oh, I can sell them for this price. But then I realized that, wow, I really can't because I'm paying this much for material. And by the way, the material is imported. I, I researched every place. I, I don't know if there's some place I missed, but as far as I could tell, there's no place in the country that makes a neoprene-based fabric. They'll, they will do some neoprene and some type of tires and some, some special you know, manufacturing conditions which would exorbitant cost. So the, it has to be imported. So finding the right material imported was what, you know, that was tough initially. And then when I figured it out, the cost was still kind of high. And um, it's kind of funny because initially the reason I wanted to make it in the U.S., there was a small factory in Lowell that hired moms, moms and jobs. So I think it was called Mojo, moms and jobs. And they gave free daycare and stuff to these women. So I said, oh, I'm going to make, have this product. I'm going to make it there. And you know, I'll be helping everybody out and, you know, it'll be great. But that company went out of business. <laughs> so I did find another company that would make it. Um, and that's pretty much it. It's, it's the cost, the cost of manufacturing in the United States 
is has gotten very high. And even if I had it sewn in the United States with the imported fabric, it said there was there were rules about how much of it have to be has to be done in the U.S. in order to say made in America. So I couldn't even get that advantage. Yeah. So it was tricky. So I did go overseas for a couple of big shipments. Um, I have some still. And so I'm looking again for manufacturing. I will research again and try to do the U.S., but it's the first time I probably wrote on there, make, make it in America. It's not as easy as it looks. It just yeah. really isn't. It's definitely challenging. And a lot of people don't understand there's a lot of trial and error. Mm -hmm. Everything you have made isn't wonderful. So then you have to scrap it and start all over again. And the time and the research, it, it's a very expensive uh, operation to actually mm -hmm. have happen. And so often we just look at a product and say, oh, well, it, it's easy. You know, yeah, it's, simple. It, it's, it's an overnight thing, but yeah. it isn't. It's, it's, there are so many complex issues with design and manufacturing. Right. And your product is absolutely brilliant, and I love it. I am so excited. I'm going to be traveling in a few weeks. And, oh, nice. Um, I already have it on my suitcase. So oh, funny. I'm, set. <laughs> I'm set to go. I like to prepare in advance. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually flying for the first time since um, COVID this Friday. So I'm like, okay, what do I need? How do I pack? You know, can I do a carry-on suitcase? All the rules have changed on the airlines. You know, I don't even know if carry-on suitcases are allowed, if they're half an inch too big or it's a tricky yeah. It's tricky. Hopefully it is. You go in someplace good. So yeah, it is. So let's talk about your book that's in the works. Yeah. Um. See, you know, it's also travel oriented. You know, I think I was getting sentimental. Um. You know, I actually lost my father a long time ago, and then my mom recently. And even you know, a lot of the people who we've known and loved, you know, have either passed away or they're in their nineties. And I started thinking about traveling again. And I was like, you know, how many cool things have happened while traveling? You know, and the memories. I, I mentioned briefly, you know, going to Athens for the first time and seeing the, the Parthenon. And that same trip, I was like, every time I would walk down the city street, I would think of my father's stories of being chased by the, um, the Nazis during the war you know, his, his prison, his stories as a prisoner. I mean, he had a great one. I don't have to get into that, but he was literally saved by an Italian guard who recognized him as being a, a internationally known soccer player at the time and didn't want to see him starve to death. But all of these things came to my mind and the cute, cute moments came to my mind. One of the things I'll always remember aside from, you know, the history and reminiscing and things in my mind, we, my sisters and I were walking down the small street, the small section of Athens, and a little girl was on her balcony, and she started jumping up and down. You know, mama, mama, not the Americanakia, which means mom, mom, here's the Americans. You know, the Americans are here. And they all came running out to see us and, you know, hi, and speaking. Our Greek was pretty good. 
They were just so excited to meet us and they brought out a special treat. Oh, come in, sit down, you know, have a, uh, they have this thing called vanilla in, in Greece. And it's like, it basically it's, it's sugar, <laughs> sugary. It's a very tasty pastry. They put it on a spoon and you have a glass of ice water and it's dumped in the water. So you're eating the sugar and drinking the cold water. I mean, it's a great treat. They can't, I'll never forget that treat now because of them. And it's just, you know, moments like that. You know, it's not just about, you know, the archives and the things you see in the famous places. I mean, I admit seeing the Parthenon for the first time maybe can't be beat, but other than that, <laughs> it's, it's the moments. And I wanted to start documenting that. So the title of my book's going to be, you know, Bonding Through Travel. You know, the bonding and the fun and the, the little things that happen as you travel, the people that have helped you, the people you've either gone with or you've met or have taken care of you, or just silly things like going across Europe with, with my kids. You know, what do we remember? We remember seeing all these great places, but we also remember a little boy that was going from train car to train car, knocking on the things, you know, asking for the newspapers. And it's like, oh, that was pretty cool. You know, with the big smile and the cuteness, stuff like that. Stuff like every time you in, in Rome, every time you walk by the same corner, there was a, gen oh, a gentleman, yeah, a gentleman, who always was holding a beer. The same guy. My kids are like, is, is he a statue? The same thing every day. <laughs> so it's, it's stuff like that that's just funny. I mean, there's other funny ones that I haven't written down yet. I mean, I don't even know if I told you this one. I went to... Um, it was my daughter's birthday, one of my daughter's birthday, and I promised I would do stuff with her. And she was, um, she wasn't a little kid at the time. I don't even remember how old she was, maybe 17. And I promised we'll do something fun for your birthday. And she said, okay. And then my husband, with the class he was taking at BU, had to go to Ireland. And I was like, oh, no, man, I promised Stephanie I would, you know, do stuff. With so Stephanie and I got on the computer and searched and searching until we found cheap enough flights so we could both go. <laughs> so we did. And it was great because we got to, we went to stay at the Four Seasons. I was like, Four Seasons, we can never afford the Four Seasons. And, um, and so I asked for an extra, for a cot for my daughter. They only had one bed in there. Four Seasons didn't have, it wasn't big open spaces like some hotels. I don't know if you've ever stayed in one, but anyway, it was just really funny. It was beautiful. But then they, I was in the bathroom and the, there was a knock on the door of the room. So my daughter opened the door. She says, what do I do? I said, just open the door. And there was a gentleman standing there with a very strong Russian accent. And he immediately rolled in a crib. <laughs> <laughs> and we were both just like uh and the guy says I can't even do his accent where is the baby <laughs> so I pointed to my daughter and he even started laughing it was just such a funny moment he rolled in the crib it was like that we remember you know it's just it was just so funny of course and all of those moments are so unique yeah and very often we have difficulty re even remembering them. Yeah. So it's wonderful to be able to 
um, document right. the special moments, uh, especially for your children. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. It's just, it's just fun. You know, like I said, all that is a moment. I mean, it's all a moment of bonding and laughing. And what else did we see in Ireland? Well, I don't know. Well, we did go to Connemara. We saw some cool stuff, but that's the moment I'll never forget. Of you know course. about that trip. <laughs> of course. So where can people find you? Um, well, I have, my website is demihugger.com. It's um, just D-E-M-I hugger, H-U-G-G-R dot com. And my email is Demetra at Demihugger dot com. And that's probably the best place to see. You know, I have another website that I don't use much. And I think it links it. It's supposed to link it, but I haven't checked it. And that's luggagebuddy.com. Okay. Well, we'll make sure. Um, and all of that information will be in the show notes. Oh, perfect. So if anyone's listening to us on any of the platforms, if you go to the show notes at the bottom, they'll find all of your information. Oh, and they great. should definitely check out your website. And as I said, I love your product. Oh, thank you so much. So one of the questions that I like to ask is, what is one of the most impactful pieces of advice that you received which has contributed to your success? There's two things, and it might not sound like it's great advice, but um, the first one is that people had told me, people who were in the um, sales business of travel products, is how much you have to charge for things, you know? The cost of goods has to be a quarter or a fifth of the actual list selling price. And I was like, whoa, I didn't realize that. I figured, oh, it cost me 20 bucks to make. I'll sell, you know, sell it cheap. And that's when I was making it myself. I don't pay myself. So to me, that was a big deal. So I really started to pay attention to how much it cost to manufacture, you know, a demi-hugger. And I think I'm still probably charging less than I should be that may have to change soon but that was a big piece of advice just something a business person I, I had never studied business and that was a big thing um, the other thing a piece of advice was at a travel show convention invention convention it was a big um, it was a really big company that does licensing they love the product but they do it a lot of it you know on tv ads and they told me outright, they said, you know, it's a great product, but they had found, I don't know if that's changed, this was a few years ago, that great products don't necessarily sell on as seen on TV. The products that sell are home products. Sure. So I was like, so they said, don't let people trick you because I've gotten people calling from all over the place. Oh, we have, you know, as seen on TV for 2000 for $10,000 or you know, 20,000 will do this for you. But since they had told me that, I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> that may not be the way to go. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, and that's one of the things that we all have had to learn in business. Yeah. And it's a, it's a difficult lesson. It's a really difficult lesson because you're, you have to learn how to see business from an owner standpoint versus right. a consumer standpoint. Um, but what I will say is your product is very, very well made well, thank you. and it's a very high quality. And I think that the quality you're, you're purchasing a product that will last right, and is usable. And yeah. I think that is so valuable. 
So I truly encourage people to go to your website, check out the product. And if you're doing any type of traveling, you definitely want to look into purchasing. It's definitely worth it, Um, especially if you don't have to check a bag. You know, it's you save money, but more than money, it's more of the convenience, I think. Oh, one thing I should mention is, um, unfortunately, there's been a lot of um, cancer around between relatives and friends lately and losses. I have decided, at least throughout the rest of this year, all profits, 55% of profits will be going to cancer research. So. Oh, wonderful. Well, we'll put... We'll put some information about that in yeah. the show notes as well. I don't even know if I've written it on my website yet. I think I did it on Facebook or something. I have to fix it. My well, website. I, well, I'll look for that. But yeah, so it's a great thing. And I thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been wonderful speaking with you. And now I'm dreaming of travel again. Yeah, I know, right? Go to yeah. one of these really cool places and... It's traveling is a lot of fun. I can't wait. You know, the short trip I'll be taking, it's like, it'll just be, you know, someplace I've never been, someplace I've never seen. It's in the United States, but still, you know, every part of the country has its own uniqueness. So it's just great. It does. So thank you so very much again. And the information will be in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. Please follow us, submit a rating and review, and share us with your friends. This helps our message reach more listeners. For more information about my products, visit justwantedtoask.com. Thank you. Thank you.